Karutama's mind wandered as she stalked and poked the fire in the kitchen. Embers flew and burnt outside the stove. Her mother who came into the kitchen stood there taking in Karutama's vacant gaze and the unintended fire. Chucky nudged Karutama with her foot, shattering her revere rudely. Chucky demanded furiously, who are you thinking of? Anyone looking at Karutama would have asked that of her. So you mustn't censure Chucky. It was obvious Karutama wasn't in this world. Amachi, Ichechi was on the far side of the shore with the little boys. They were standing behind a boat and giggling. Karutama's younger sister Panjami reported. Karutama quivered. Her secret crime, what should have stayed undiscovered, now lay revealed. But Panjami wouldn't pause even then. You should have seen how they were laughing, Amaji. This is what happens if you mess around with me. Panjami waggled a warning finger at Karutama and ran from the room. Karutama had left Panjami at home when she had stepped out. Panjami had not been able to go out to play with the neighborhood children. Chembak Gunyu was insistent that the house be never left vacant. In its confines, he was hoarding money in the hope of someday buying a boat and nets. Panjami had been forced to stay indoors. This was her revenge. How could any mother not be perturbed by such news? Chucky demanded of Karutama. What is this I hear? Karutama didn't have an answer. Girl, what were you thinking of? And now Karutama had to speak. She didn't have an option, so she stumbled to find an explanation. I was just out wandering on the beach. And on the beach, little boys were seated in a boat. So what's so funny about that? Karutama tried to explain. I was merely asking him for the money we needed to buy the boat and nets. So who asked you to go around cadging for cash? Karutama stuck to her story. I heard you and Acha talking the other day. He was saying that you were going to ask little boys for money. It wasn't a valid explanation. She was merely trying to justify what she had done. Chucky scrutinized Karutama from head to toe. Chucky too had been that age once. Or was it that Chucky remembered a time when she was as old as Karutama was now? Then, as well, there were several shacks on that seaside in those little shacks, little bosses. And in the shadows of beach boats, those little bosses too had been willing enough to tickle Chucky into peals of laughter. Who knows? What was certain was that Chucky was a fisherwoman born and bred on the seaside and an inheritor of a long tradition of Sindor. On a mere plank of wood, the first fisherman had rowed through waves and currents to a point beyond the horizon, while on the shore his faithful wife had stood facing the west, waiting. A storm blew up and churned the sea. Whales with their mouths gaping open gathered. Sharks beat the water into a frenzy with their tails. The undertow dragged the boat into a whirlpool. 
but he miraculously survived all these dangers. Not just that, he returned to the shore with a huge fish. So how did he escape that tempest? Why wasn't he swallowed by the whale? How was it that his boat didn't shatter to bits despite being battered by the shark's tail? The whirlpool dissipated. The boat moved on. How did all of this happen? Only because a chaste wife had stood on the seaside praying and waiting for her husband's safe return. And that was the load of hope the women of the seaside clung to. The nugget of faith that Chucky melded into her everyday life and made it her very own. Or perhaps when Chucky's bosom too had ripened into fecundity, Alboz had let his gaze rest upon them. And that day, Chucky's mother too must have told her about the traditions of the sea, the demands it made on its women. Chucky, who was impervious to what Karitama may or may not have been guilty of, said, My daughter isn't a little girl anymore. You're a fisherwoman now. In her ears, Karutama heard the echo of Parikuti's teasing, Big Mama Fisherwoman. Chucky continued, In this vast sea, there is so much to fear. My daughter, my Magarle, all of which determines whether a man who goes out to sea will return. And the only thing we can do as women is keep them safe with true minds and bodies. Otherwise, they and their boats will be swallowed up by the undertow. The life of the man who goes out to sea rests in the hands of his woman on the shore. It wasn't the first time that Karutama had heard this cautionary admonishment. Each time a few fisherwomen got together, you heard this being said. And yet, what is wrong with sharing your love with Parikuti? She had not yet been interested with the life of a man going out to sea. And if such a life was in her hands, she would cherish it. She knew how to care for it. No one needed to tell her, a fisherwoman, that. Chucky continued to speak. Do you know why the sea cries at times? The sea knows that if the sea mother gets angry, all will be ruined. But if she's pleased, she'll give you everything, my child. There's gold in the sea, my daughter, gold. Chucky imparted a great truth to her daughter then. Virtue is the most important thing, my daughter. Purity of the body and mind. A fisherman's wealth is his fisherwoman's virtue. There will be little bosses who, with scant respect for our traditions, will defile our seaside. There are these sluts who come from the south to peel shrimp and help hang out fish to dry. They sully our seaside. What do they know of the seaside's propriety? They're not children of the sea, but we are the ones who have to bear the brunt of their doings. Be wary of shore boats and thickets on the shore. 
It was with grave face Chucky continued forewarning her daughter. Look at you, all dressed in buttocks. Little bosses and other such feckless men will want to keep looking at your breast and bum. Karuttama shivered. In the shadows of the short boat, that was precisely how it had happened and the resentment she had felt at that moment, she could have acquired it only congenitally. When a man stares at your breast and bum, it's disrespectful to a child of the sea. Magali, you shouldn't be the reason why the shore turns barren or be the reason why the mouths of its people are filled with mud. Karutama now grew frightened. Chucky went on with the aplomb of one who knew her words had struck a chord. He's not one of us, a Muslim. And he probably doesn't realize any of this. That might. That night, Karutama couldn't sleep. She was angry with Panjami who had let her secret out. She didn't even feel any resentment. How could she? Was it because she felt guilty? An age-old moral code of that community was vested in her too. And perhaps that was why she was scared of strain. As long as the fear resided in her, how could she be angry with Panjami? Just then, the strains of her song wafted in from the seashore, filling Karutama's ears and trailing her, wrenching the very earth from under her feet. Karutama listened. The singer was Parikuti. He wasn't a musician, but he sat on the boat singing. How else could he let her know that he was there? And she heard. It struck her where it was meant to. Karutama became restless. Should she slip out unnoticed? But he would again look at her breast and bum. She would have to go to the shadow of the shored boat. And that was a place fraught with dangerous temptations. And he was a Muslim. It was the chorus of the people who went out to the sea. Karutama knew fear then. If she were to hear it for a little while longer, it would tempt her to go to him. She had known a certain pleasure at the piercing intensity of his gaze on her bosom. Weren't breasts made of flesh, after all? Karutama lay on her stomach, pressing her breast down. She stuffed her fingers into her ears, and yet the song found its way in. Karutama wept. She knew that the flimsy door to the room of her heart could be opened with ease, or it could be stormed open. But thereafter, were walls that were inviolable, a strong and enduring wall made of an ancient and sacred moral cord of the children of the sea. It had neither doors nor windows. It was here she lived. But even those walls could crumble when called by flesh and blood. Hadn't such walls fallen before? Parikuti's song spread across the lonely seaside. It wasn't meant to tempt a fisherwoman to stealthily open her door and step out on her own. It had neither a beat nor a rhythm, nor was the singer's voice even fine. Yet, 
it had a life of its own for it reverberated with his need to let her know he was there so he could make his apologies to her like she was consumed by her need to offer penitence but he could he continued to sing his voice cracked karutama pulled her fingers out from her ears she heard her parents speaking in the adjoining room no they were squabbling karutama listened they were talking about her chembangunyu said i know all that woman you don't have to tell me i'm a father to chaki reproved you're a father are you i'm glad that you remember that your daughter will be led astray go go woman i'll have her married before that happens and how are you going to manage that who's going to marry her without money listen to me chempangunyu laid out his life plans before her karutama was hearing it for the hundredth time in anger as much as in grief chaki said in that case all you will have is your boat and nets chempangunyu retorted decisively no matter what i won't touch a coin from that money i have put aside so don't even think of that chaki snapped a muslim man will end up seducing your daughter that's what's going to happen chembangunyu didn't speak didn't he understand the gravity of her words a little later he said i'll find someone without paying any cash he grunted reaffirming it chucky asked then he must be a moron or a deaf mute wait till you see woman wait will you unconvinced chucky said why don't you just drown your doctor in the sea chembangunyu snorted chucky asked abruptly tell me tell me whom are you buying this boards and nets for chembangunyu was silent the boat and nets were his life's ambition he had never asked himself whom it was for chucky made a suggestion why don't we consider that vellamanil velaidan no he won't do why not what's wrong with him he's a fisherman a mere fisherman if not a fisherman whom do you plan to find for your daughter there was no answer to that karuttama's ears echoed with a muslim man will seduce your daughter her father hadn't perhaps understood the import of it completely in her chest her heart drummed as if it would burst hadn't the muslim already seduced her in the distance parikuti continued to sing